Well, I want to welcome you today to the Hills Church at home, whether you're listening by podcast, maybe you're watching at our 10 o'clock service time, or you're playing catch up. We want to welcome you today. Let me encourage you to do this, though. Go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes at the end of the message. Our scriptures and prayers for communion. So I'd encourage you wherever you are that at the end of this, that you stop, get some communion elements or whatever you have, read through those scriptures uh, and, and remember today, remember Jesus. You can also download our kids activity sheet as well. So you can have that on hand. And let me also encourage you to do this before we jump into God's word today is uh, the 2022 Bible reading plan. It's the chronological Bible. It'll take you to through the entire Bible in one year. You can go to our website. In fact, um, on our main events, right on the main page, you can click on it. You can go right to the link that's online. You can do it on your uh, an app, or you can download the PDF if you prefer to have it in your Bible to check the list off. So I encourage you to do that as well, too. And so today... My title today is, really, it's Jesus's Miracles, but Miracles on the Sea of Galilee. Miracles on the Sea of Galilee. Let me start with this one verse that we actually were looking at, even up and through Christmas time. But I really felt stirred to keep going on this one verse for partly uh, the month of January. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says these words. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. And I want that theme to be something that uh, we remember, that repent and believe the gospel. We're going to go through some of the miracles today, and you're going to see even through the lives of the disciples how they responded. It's a great thing to us to mirror the word of God into our life to say, how are we responding in situations like this? And many times we need to come back and we need to say, you know what? I need to repent and I need to believe the gospel. Jesus's miracles on the sea. In fact, what's interesting when we look at Jesus's miracles, Jesus did about 40 miracles but we can count, right? One of them would have been um, his birth. That was miraculous. One of them would have been his even ascending up into heaven that we read in the book of Acts. But besides all of his miracles, I want you to remember this, that the word of God is alive. And when the word of God is spoken, when it's read, when it's put into our hearts, that's a miracle almost like we read in John chapter four, because the word of God is alive. It's a miracle that you made Jesus and believed that Jesus is the Lord of your life and confessed him, Romans 10, nine and 10, because it caused your spirit to be reborn. And now you'll live eternity with him in heaven, right? That's a miracle. Having faith in eternity is a miracle. So all of these miracles that Jesus did, but I want to look today, is the miracles he did at the Sea of Galilee. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to get to there in a minute. It's Luke chapter 5, verse 3 through 10. We're going to kick it off. Now, when I was in uh, Bible college, when I was doing my master's, one of my classes, an entire class, 
was devoted to the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. Ezra has um, 10 chapters. One of the assignments that we had was that we had to read the book of Ezra three times a week, right? Three times a week, all the way through. In fact, when we went to class, we were handed a sheet that asked us, did we do the reading for the week? That was one of the assignments, right? Well, you're not going to lie or cheat or fib, you know, on, on God's word. You're going to make sure that you show up and you're prepared. But what uh, my professor asked us to do was something that I had never heard of before. She said, pay attention to the different geography that's listed in Ezra. And remember this, that the word of God is alive and living. It's not a historical book so that you can go back and look at history, though it does show us some history, but it is God's word spoken to us. And there's people, places, and things that are listed for you to pay attention to. Well, isn't it interesting that today we look at Jesus's miracles on the Sea of Galilee and it's the most familiar, almost, body of water that we read about in the Bible. You know, we read about the Red Sea, but we read about the Sea of Galilee. And I think the only reason why we read about the Sea of Galilee or even think of the Sea of Galilee is because of Jesus. The Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long, seven and a half miles wide. It's not a huge body of water. In fact, I'll give a, a quick example. If you live in the Southern California area, one of the larger uh, lakes that are close with our proximity is Big Bear Lake. Big Bear Lake is seven miles long. And uh, though it does get wide at some point, it's mainly a half a mile wide. So you can see where the Sea of Galilee is not this massive lake like normally we would think of with the Great Lakes. But again, it's a lake indeed. Now, what's interesting when we correlate like the Sea of Galilee and Big Bear Lake, just to have a frame of reference, Big Bear Lake has nothing that feeds its lake like a river, like the Sea of Galilee. Big Bear Lake is dependent upon snow and rain. The Sea of Galilee uh, is dependent on the Jordan River, but it also gets snow from the two mountains that are right by it. But it's interesting, the reason that we're even thinking of the Sea of Galilee is because of Jesus. In fact, we read all about it in Scripture, some of the different wording that it's mentioned. But the Sea of Galilee would have no interest to you or I except by Jesus. So let me read this. This is Luke chapter 5. And I want to pick this up in verse 3. This is Jesus teaching, and he's going to see a boat. And he's going to figure out, I'm going to use the boat today for my pulpit. We read this in verse 3. Then he, this is Jesus, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. This is Peter. And asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, 
at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish so that their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. And also with him were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So here we are. The first miracle that we're going to see, in fact, if we backed up a little bit in the Gospels, Jesus would call his disciples to ministry from the shore of Galilee. Now Jesus is using a boat as his pulpit, teaching the multitudes. And when he's done teaching, in fact, I always get this picture that from what we read about Peter, he had been fishing all night long. Jesus is in the boat. He's got the nets in the boat. He's probably exhausted. Hopefully, he didn't fall asleep during Jesus's message. And now Jesus concludes, turns around, and says to him, launch out in the deep, let down your nets for a catch. The very first thing that comes to Peter's mind was, I already tried that. I've already done it. It didn't work. Now, what's interesting about fishing is for most of us, if we go fishing, it's a, a recreational thing or a hobby. Um, but if you've ever watched people that use nets, whether they do it from the shore or whether they these large commercial fishing boats, even if they throw a net into a small little pond somewhere, they always catch something. These commercial ships dropping their nets, they always catch something and they catch things they're not supposed to catch. These guys didn't catch anything through the night. Now they're going to launch out to the deep and they're going to let down a net because Jesus said so. Because Jesus said so. And in obeying Jesus, all of a sudden, it's not only the net that's full, but the nets begin to break and they've got to signal somebody else that they fill up the two boats so that the boats are weighed down so low that they begin to sink. And Simon's words to Jesus are this, Master, we have toiled all night. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. You know, when I when I read this, one of the things that I remember, don't, I was thinking about this. Maybe you've been trying to do something and it just hasn't worked. But now Jesus asks you to do something, and maybe you're responding just like Peter did. Well, I already tried that. I tried it last year, but he's asking you to do it. And it should be, the response should be, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. At your word, I'll do what you tell me to do. You may have tried it. You may have tried it all night long. You might have been exhausted. You might even say it doesn't work. 
And yet when Jesus says it's time to do it, follow what he says. Isn't it interesting where we go back to that Mark 1, uh, 15, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. In fact, Jesus wants to use this illustration as also, when I tell you to do something, believe what I tell you. Watch what I'm going to do. And now you have an example of, of what you're going to do. You're going to catch men. The gospel is going to catch men. Our next story we pick up is in Mark chapter 4. In fact, whenever I read about this one on a storm that takes place uh, on the Sea of Galilee, I think back to when we would go visit my grandmother, my mom's mom. She lived in Indiana. She lived in an area called Dune Acres, which is east of Gary, Indiana. But she lived right on Lake Michigan. Now, we had grown up. And in the summertime, we had grown up going to the beach, Huntington Beach, Sunset Beach, Seal Beach. And we loved the beach because of the waves. Well, when we'd go visit my grandma on Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan had no waves, right? There was no waves. So when, when you're young boys, right, and you want to uh, body surf or they didn't do boogie, but they didn't have boogie boards for Lake Michigan, we'd get the inner tubes out. There's no waves. So you can only skip rocks and throw rocks so often. But let me tell you, when a storm would hit Lake Michigan, that next morning, the waves were the size of the ones we'd find at our beaches in Southern California. Boy, we'd run out. We'd grab the inner tubes. We'd, you know, inner tube down the waves. We body surfed on the waves. And then we figured out this is the best. It's fresh water, right? So when you accidentally get thrown down and you gulp water, I mean, even though it's lake water, right? Um, it's not like the salt water that makes you completely gag. It was fresh water. You get out of the water and dry off, and you're not all sticky, salty. We would, at night, we would grab the binoculars, and we would look out. You could actually see Chicago, the lights of Chicago from my grandma's house. You could see the um, ships that were coming into port bringing product. And my grandma would say, are you guys watching the ships? No, grandma, right? We're looking for storms, right? We knew that storms meant waves. So isn't it interesting on a flat lake? that a storm could stir up so many waves. Well, that's what we see in this illustration. In fact, we get this in Mark chapter four. And one of the things that we got to remember, Jesus is going to be, this is a great story, because Jesus is going to be asleep in the boat, right? Asleep in the boat. So this is Mark chapter four. And I'm going to start reading this in verse 35. And it says this, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat where he was and the other little boats were with him. So Jesus is in a boat and there's other little boats and a great windstorm arose. If you look at, up in the Greek, it really is showing us it's almost like out of the blue, this hurricane hit, right? And the next thing we read, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, this is Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, 
And there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, we read this story. If we go back and we listen to Jesus's words, let us cross to the other side. Jesus didn't say, hey, let us go halfway and let us sink and die tonight. Let us go to the other side. Jesus, being exhausted and tired from all of the ministry and the teaching, he's asleep on the stern of the pillow. And you think this, right? How could Jesus sleep through this? How could he be asleep? You know, it, it's no different than us through the night having some earthquake and we wake up and we read about it. And we say, I didn't even feel that. Or even some of the storms in that we'd had in Southern California with the thunder and the lightning and through the middle of the night and the hard rain. And some people wake up and they said, it rained last night? It's interesting what you can sleep through. I find it the same of, you know, my son or when my daughter was living at home and they would come in. I never heard them come in at night. But if somebody leaves a light on, it causes me to wake up. Well, Jesus is asleep. All of a sudden, this great windstorm, in fact, we read a little bit, there's some historical stuff of winds coming, stirring up the water, and not only is it this boat where Jesus is, but also the other little boats, these guys are struggling. Now, these are fishermen, and I always believe this, that if the fishermen saw that there was a potential of a storm coming, there's no way they were going to get out in the middle on their boats. This is something that came up out of nowhere. In fact, I always look at this. I always read Mark chapter 5 to see where Jesus is going. Read that for yourself. Where is he going? And all of a sudden, this great like hurricane windstorm breaks up. And he's asleep on the pillow. Wind, waves, all this racket blowing. He's asleep. He's not disturbed. He's at peace. And everybody's fighting for their lives. In fact, we read that in the scriptures. Here we read, here is, they wake him up and they said, don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus, that we're going to die? Don't you even care? And Jesus didn't even respond to those words. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. What caused the waves? The wind, right? So he said, peace be still. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And notice what Jesus turns and says to them. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith. Repent and believe the gospel. How is it that you have no faith? You know, uh, this actually right before Christmas, my wife first started uh, not feeling well and getting sick. We did one of those at-home tests and she tested positive. I believe it was the Wednesday before uh, Christmas for COVID. Um, I then tested positive on 
Christmas or the Friday right before Christmas Eve. We called off our whole Christmas one. We had already planned on doing an online service, which obviously uh, uh, the Lord knows all things. But what's interesting is none of us struggled with the thought that we had tested positive. We had mild symptoms. But it's interesting what instantly comes into your head is you start thinking about all of the things that you've heard and read about over the last now almost two years. You think about the people that you personally knew that went through it, even those that you personally knew that died. And it sticks into your head. And instead of, uh, well, I, I should say this. We knew enough to go through the promises of God and pray and believe God. But what's interesting is what your mind has a tendency to try to tell yourself. Here's an exact situation of a storm coming. All of a sudden, the disciples are so concerned that they're not going to make it. Jesus is asleep. They shake and they wake him up. And Jesus speaks. He rebukes the wind, speaks to the sea, peace be still. What was causing it and then the results of it. And then he says to them those words, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Don't be fearful in the reports that you hear. Go back and believe the report of the Lord. You know what they they say at the end of this too? They say this, um, who can this be that even the wind and the waves obey him. I always got to remember this. I got to fall in line with what Jesus says to do. I've got to fall in line. I was listening the other night to a a minister that I, I love to listen to, Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans said this, isn't it interesting that with just the coronavirus, we're now coming up on two years. And in fact, he used that one analogy. We could call it a storm. He says, but notice this, governments can't stop it. Science hasn't been able to stop it. The CDC hasn't been able to stop it. Our local health departments, governors, mayors, everything that everybody has tried to do to stop it, even other nations that have gotten more restrictive than other nations can't stop it. There's different mutations that are coming on. It's like a storm. But he says this, who's calling out to God? And is it God getting everybody's attention to get the attention off of what seems to be the main thing and get it on to the main thing that's him? Who's calling for a national day of prayer and fasting? Or is everybody calling for uh, science to figure it out? The, the results of everything come back spiritually, right? And and this hits us personally. Hey, let's repent and believe the gospel. Let's believe what the gospel says. Let's believe for peace over our families, strength over our families, life over our families, protection over our families, over our churches. Let's remember in extreme times to get back in and to call for times of prayer fasting. Seek the Lord, right? Seek his power. Jesus knew that the power of stopping the wind and the waves was not to row quicker. 
It was to rebuke it. And even the disciples said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Mark chapter 6. Let me read one more for us here. Mark chapter 6. In fact, Mark's gospel is full of this. In fact, you can pick this up also in Matthew chapter 16. Um, If you remember the events of the day when we're reading it, Jesus has heard about John the Baptist um, and that he was beheaded. His cousin, the one that was preparing the way, he wanted to get alone, but the the multitudes were following. And this is the one we read about Jesus feeding the 5,000 men, right? Just men. But then we read this in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Another situation. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and to go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Well, that's what he was trying to do beforehand. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone in the land. And he saw them straining and rowing for the wind was against them. And it was about the fourth watch of the night. And he came to them walking on the sea and and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and they cried out. For when they saw him, they were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and he said to them, be of good cheer. For it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat with them. The wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Now, let me mention a couple of things. You read Matthew 14. This is the story, <coughs> excuse me. This is the story of where Peter walks on the water. But Jesus is getting alone to pray, and Jesus looks down in the fourth watch. He sees these guys are in trouble again. Now, he could have prayed from the mountaintops, but he decided to walk by them. And in walking by them, they freaked out. They thought it was a ghost. And yet one of the things that Jesus does is when he gets in the boat, everything stops. But he says to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. You know, I was thinking about last time I helped somebody that was in a car accident, got out and uh, not wasn't me in the accident, but, you know, helped out. You don't think of going right up and say, hey, be of good cheer, be happy. Right. You're like, stay put, don't move. That's what you think of. You don't say be of good cheer. Somebody has a bad report. You don't usually call. Hey, you know, what? I just want to call and say, you know what? Be a good cheer today. But Jesus says that in a troubling situation. Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. In fact, the wind ceases and it stops. But isn't it interesting how the verse ends about the disciples? For they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Wait, wait, wait. Now I got to back up and I got to read the feeding of the 5,000. And we read about the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus is instructing them. You know, he's talking about the disciples want to send everybody away to go get food. 
But Jesus wants them, he says, you give them something to eat. They want to send everybody away. You take care of the problem. You've seen these things take place. You take care of it. Well, when we read this, and you can look at this later, when they read this about it, they decide they don't even have enough money to take care of it. But Jesus says, we'll find out what we have. Jesus can take the littlest things. But notice, their hearts were hardened. Get the people away. Send them away. Jesus wants you and I to depend on him. Would you depend on him today? In the middle of whatever situation, would you say those words? Oh, I'm going to be of good cheer. Jesus is here. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. Interesting situation when we see storms on the Sea of Galilee, two different storms. One Jesus asleep, one Jesus walking to it. It's interesting that we see a difference between the prophet Jonah when there was a storm. He was asleep at the bottom of the boat, but it was false security. He was running. Jesus was asleep in this situation because he was full of peace. But you know what he was waiting for? I almost would say this again. He wanted to see what his disciples were going to do about it. Repent and believe the gospel. Let me mention this quickly. Maybe you've already tried something before, but Jesus is saying for this year, here's what I need you to do. Let me encourage you today. Trust what he says to do. Go and do like Peter did and drop down the nets. Maybe you feel like you're still in the middle of the storm. Maybe it's a storm at home or maybe on your job or maybe other things in family. Maybe you just don't know what to do and you would just describe it as a storm. And maybe you feel like the disciples that Jesus is asleep, that he's not aware. He is aware. They said, do you not care? He absolutely cares. But would you respond over your storm and use the words of Jesus that he's given you and he's given you authority to use them and command peace to be still? Will you call in your family times of fasting and prayer and dedication to the scripture or over situations? Would you be the one to step out? And if you feel like you're in a storm again and you feel like maybe Jesus is watching, notice that he walked to them and he wanted them to be of good cheer because he was there. But don't harden your heart on past circumstances. Let your heart be tender, pliable. Let the master do it. You know, uh, it's interesting when we uh, started out and going on YouTube and Facebook and even just our podcasts, the different comments we would get back from people, the other different comments that we would get when we were doing the book of Revelation and uh, the crazy things that we would get uh, emailed. But the one thing that we get emailed quite a bit is, how can I believe a God when I look at this world and people are sick and hungry and starving. And I usually reply back this way. I encourage them to read the book of Genesis, even if they only read 12 chapters. And I said, and you're going to find out this, that God set everything up, that Satan is a deceiver, that Adam and Eve fell, that Cain killed Abel. This is a broken world, not because of how God set it up. 
is because people got deceived by the enemy and it continues on and on. But you're going to read about a God that found a Noah, a righteous one, and how God chose an Abram and a Sarah to fulfill his plan. And in Genesis 3, he was always already talking about one that would come. One that would come that would redeem mankind. Yes, this world is broken. It's not broken because of God. Yes, God cares. But how are you responding to what he says and what he cares? You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. In fact, if you're the type that you're struggling, feeling like, how is there a God if I'm looking at the world that's broken? There is a God. He did send his son Jesus for you. Pray this prayer with me, would you? And believe it in your heart, like we read about in Romans 10, 9 and 10, to confess Jesus as Lord. Pray this with me, dear God. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today, I'm in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. In fact, if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, would you reach out to us on the social media platform that you're watching today? Or you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Click on the contact. Send a, a message that says, I made Jesus my Lord today. Or the most important thing that you can do is tell somebody. Somebody's probably been talking to you about him. Reach out, let them know. Take these scriptures that we did today, everybody, and go back through them and, and look at the miracles that Jesus did and look at your own life. And like we always should, Repent and believe the Gospels. Well, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read this verse out of Malachi. God instituted tithing, and Malachi lets us know, here's what the Lord says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out so such blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Notice God introduced the tithe, the 10%, the first fruits, the Bible says. But he uses this after he says, bring the tithes to the storehouse. Try me. You know, it's the only time in the Bible where you're going to read where God says the try me or the other word is the word test me. Test me. And he says, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, I will open. Test me. Try me. Watch what I do. I'll open up the windows for heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. You know, every year, uh, the beginning of the year, I see churches around and they post this and they and they do this bit of, they say, hey, try God out, tithe. And after three months, if you haven't seen the windows of blessing open, then what we're going to do is we're going to give you all your money back. And I scratch my head. It, it's a gimmick, right? I give to the Lord. In fact, one is, I give and I don't expect back. He's asked me to give. But he said, try me, test me. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing 
for you. In fact, I always try to think too of, of the natural way. So you you take in somebody's tithe and you hold on to it in a bank account, and then you wait, and then when they want it back, you just give it back and deduct it off. I mean, it's it, it's crazy to think, and that's not how God thinks. God doesn't think try me. God thinks lock in, press in, watch what I'll do in your life. Pray this prayer with me, would you? As I give in today's offering, I stand on the promises that the Lord will cause his blessings to come upon me as the windows of heaven are open. Open over my life today, the window of blessings and supernatural resources. Let it be more than I can handle. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. It's safe, fast, and secure. There's a verse that we've added in for this year. If you give online, Deuteronomy chapter 8, that God is the one that gives you the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant on the earth. If you're going to give by mail, you can do so. You can write to us, the Hills Church P.O. Box, 661419 Arcadia, California, 91066. Go to our website as well, too. Keep up on all of the service times and events coming up in this year. And as we always do, and we end with Psalm 121, 1 and 2, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help, your help, comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you're listening today, go grab the communion elements, print off the notes, and I want you to remember this one saying as you receive communion today, because Jesus always gives thanks first. What if I woke up today and I only had the things that I thanked God for yesterday? What if I only had the things today that I thanked God for yesterday? Receive communion together. Break bread. Remember his broken body that was broken for you. Take the cup to remember his forgiveness. And let's all come back into alignment and remember that Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Be blessed today. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.